if I'm being honest, my relationships and picking them apart. And there are some really solid, strong relationships. And I don't think that we're there. And at this point, I don't think that we'll get there. And it's not fair to you to drag you through an entire rose ceremony tomorrow. If at this point, like, I know that it's not gonna work out. Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I am fortunately not in Richmond, Virginia. Well, not really fortunately. No shots of Richmond. On the other line, I have Reality Steve, and it's time to talk about episode six. Hi, Steve. Hey, Juliet. I'm not in Richmond either, unfortunately. The land of lovers, though. I found that out. Land of lovers. I did not know that, but very interesting. Yeah. I don't think anyone did. At one point during Leo's one-on-one, which we will talk about extensively, he says to her, as there's like a, as like there's a shot of this theater in Richmond, he says, "I can't say I saw any of this coming," and I'm pretty sure he was talking about Becca and like the whole experience. But the way it was filmed, it really made it seem like they were talking about Richmond, and I found the whole thing hilarious because I was like, "Richmond, what? That's even weirder than like I think it's one of the weirdest locations they've ever they've ever had." When I was spoiling the show as it was happening, and I found out, and I had tipped people off like, "Hey, they're headed to Richmond next after Vegas." At the time, I was thinking the same thing, like, why Richmond? The only thing I could think of was they had to go to Virginia twice last year uh, for Lauren B. uh, Mm. For her hometown date with her parents. And then when Ari went back and filmed it, the only thing I could think of is while they were there, like, hey, nice city. Because I I can't imagine any other reason. Like, if Lauren B. wasn't on last season, I don't think they go to Richmond for Becca. That's That's interesting. That's the only thing I can think of. They were just there. I think it's related to that. I don't know if it's exactly because they're like, oh, I like Richmond. But I think because they started to film someplace, you have to get all these permits and licensing. So you have to find out. Yeah. You have to like go through this song and dance to see if, if it's even going to be possible to film there. And then I think if it's easier, they get some kind of like incentive, then they do it. And that's that's what I think probably happened and why they selected Richmond, which by the way, by the way I hear is great. Also known as the River City. They have this donut place that I heard is really good. I'm sure it's lovely, which is such a random place for a bachelorette date, like particularly after <laughs> Vegas. It's so weird. Yeah. You can't, can't get more opposite than Vegas and then Richmond, Virginia. Whatever. Um, by the way, we're not, you know, don't spoil anything, you know, don't break any news and don't, don't even give away yeah. stuff from the future. But I usually have you on earlier in the season. I feel like episode six is a good time because a lot of what you cover is already out there. And there's been so much like yeah. conversation around the show this season, as I guess is normal now, but perhaps more so than ever. It seemed like a good time to check in with you. Are you enjoying this season, Steve? I know that's like a weird question for you because you claim to not like the show. Well, I mean, I think it's just one of these things where these shows all kind of run together for me. Like, to me, it's just the same thing every season with a different cast. Mm-hmm. Like, we get drama from contestants. Now, this season is a little bit different because there's been so much drama off the show that we've never seen. And it's been very well um, covered in media outlets. And we've just never seen that as much in past seasons as we have this season. With the Lincoln stuff and the Garrett stuff, it was just, it seems to be taking over. And and every time these two appear on screen, more so Lincoln than Garrett, but every time they appear on screen, it's almost like you can't get out of your head what you know about them. And right. I think that's changed the narrative this season. Yeah, it definitely has. And so Chris is interesting. We spent a lot of time on Lincoln and before that yeah. on Jordan. And it seems like Chris is the true sociopath or psychopath <laughs> of this of this season. What have you learned about Chris since the show began? 
honestly, I don't have much on him in terms of dirt or whatever. I mean, I, I don't think I'm breaking anything major here, even though the, the, the cast list for Paradise came out last week, at least original cast. Uh, he wasn't on the original cast list because he's technically still, still on the, on the show, show, but right. he, he will be in Paradise. But I just think Chris is one of these guys that got so wrapped up in this show and the fact that other people were getting dates around him. And I think that he was a little bit delusional. Well, I shouldn't say a little bit. He was a lot delusional in what he thought about his relationship with Becca because none of us watching at home saw anything remotely interesting between the two of them. Yet this guy is professing that he would marry her tonight in tonight's episode. That's just ridiculous. That was a real wrong reasons moment. Like, obviously, Chris is Chris is not ready to get married to Becca. That's very clear. Um, but there's just so much that, like, did you, so had you, when you were spoiling the season, did you hear about how Connor wanted to switch rooms from staying with him? I hadn't heard that one. I had heard the stuff, the, the fight with him and Lincoln about uh, Lincoln calling him, you know, uh, a bad name because of, he used to be a larger individual. Uh, the fact that he's lost a lot of weight. Um, there was stuff that wasn't shown during this debate tonight that I had heard about that happened at the debate. Uh, Chris accused Lincoln of using steroids. Oh, um, they weird. talked about a two on one. He did mention the two on one, but apparently they went a little bit deeper into that whole two on one thing. Like there was a reference made to a menage a trois. Like apparently a lot of the stuff that I heard that day that happened at the election was. They kind of glossed over it tonight. They didn't show all of it. Because it was just like a lot nastier? Yeah, a lot nastier, which the guys alluded to. And I think Blake alluded to it after the fact, like, wow, it really got nasty. But we never saw it. We just saw um, them in the room before the election even took place, Chris bringing up the weight thing. But yeah, he did accuse Lincoln of steroids. And I'd have to go back and look to that day when I was tweeting it out. But yeah, it was, it was some serious stuff back and forth between these two. A lot of more personal barbs thrown at one another. I thought the whole Beck election thing was just so bizarre. I'm not sure exactly uh, who he's referring to. I don't think, I mean, I know it's not me for sure. Actually, you are one of them. There's a nasty side of Lincoln that uh, is very, I would say, malicious and aggressive. If she saw the man who you are when you're not around her, I think she'd be disgusted. Also, Richmond is like, not that historic of a city. I grew up on the East Coast and I've been to like basically every revolutionary and civil war site north of Florida. Like I've been to a lot of them and we never, we never went to Richmond. It was never even on the table. So I think they're just using the Virginia setting as like a real stretch. They could, they could have gone to like Jamestown. They could have gone to Williamsburg. Richmond is not the first place you think of when you think of like American history. Just want to throw that out there. <laughs> so Juliet, Edgar Allan Poe's mother was buried there and they went to visit it because that's an important thing to go like what hey they're walking through a cemetery like yeah this is where edgar Allan poe's mother died okay maybe if it was edgar Allan poe and i know buried, i know like go to mother, charlottesville about his mother? charlottesville is where he wrote the raven and it's like thomas jefferson country it's just like richmond is a lovely part of the state i'm sure but it's just not like the, the top billing oh i'm gonna learn so much about america they were reaching for facts about Richmond in that episode. <laughs> it was like, oh my God. Really rough. I actually, the, the, yeah, so the Beck election, also in retrospect, like you wonder other weird stuff people didn't say. And even like something like not political, but has like a very like slight political aura seems just like a bad idea for this kind of show because you don't know what kind of weird shit people are going to say. 
Well, yeah. And the, and the biggest thing that I got that day was that Beck election was all about Chris versus Lincoln. All the other guys stayed out. of it. The way we saw it, obviously, they only showed us bits and pieces of it. But I heard that none of the other guys got into it. They just wanted to stay out of it and let those two basically have at it. That makes uh, sense. Wills, Colton, Blake, Garrett, um, and whoever the other one was that was there that I'm forgetting. Um, yeah, they just stayed out of it and they didn't want to get in part of it. And Chris said what he said and Lincoln said what he said and it went back and forth and it was a lot worse than what was shown. Did Chris have other friends in the house? I don't think so. Mm. I don't think that he was very well-liked. You know, and we run into this every season where we see it on the season and somebody's like the villain or whatever. But then when the show ends, a couple months later, they show up at the men tell all, yeah, he's going to take some from the other guys at the men tell all. But ultimately, I just know in two or three months, he'll be subtweeting guys and guys will be retweeting him and everything will be fine. But in that moment, was he well-liked? No, not at all. Just like Crystal last season wasn't well-liked at all by the other girls in the house because she didn't make an effort to try and be friends with them. Right. And Chris really isolated himself with all this stuff. Right. Well, Crystal's a, is a good example because I was thinking about this. Like, the new kind of narrative structure of the show is it starts with one, like, very obvious villain, which was Chelsea for Ari season, and then moves into, like, a, yeah. a like a more a more secondary one, which was Crystal. And I feel like that's what happened with Jordan and Chris. Like, Jordan had the soundbite, so it was a lot easier for him to be vilified and for people to dislike him. But Chris is, like, definitely crazier, in my opinion. And he also, he is definitely obsessed with, like, weight loss and fitness, which I get, like, if he used to be 300 pounds. But he he was, like, yeah. making fun of Lincoln, and he said that his cholesterol has to be 6,000 because he has 12 <laughs> eggs a day. Yo, what is that all about? I don't get it. How do you get 12 eggs a day? Like, how is that even possible? Well, so when they travel, they have their food brought. So they, they get whatever they want food-wise. Really? You can make a request? Yeah, Lincoln, if he makes a request like, hey, I got to have my egg whites and 12 of them, he'll get them because that's what they do for you when you travel. They, they go and get you your food because you don't go out to a restaurant and all hang out as, as, a, as you know, bro out there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's how it's done. So he probably did get his 12 eggs a day. It's just a very weird argument for Chris to make uh, in terms of Lincoln and the way he acts. Although, you know, look, I'm, not, I'm the last person going to sit here and defend Lincoln since I was the one who outed him with his charge from two years ago. So it is what it is. I'm glad both of them are gone and we don't have to deal with these of them because it, it literally got childish at that point, like the guys were saying. It was just so stupid. Like, I want to go on a two-on-one or a one-on-one. That what was crazy, too. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, real quick, Juliet, uh, I hate to sidetrack the podcast here, but literally as we're speaking, mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo agrees to a deal with the Lakers. He, he came and they renounced the rights to Julius Randle. Oh, my Randall. God. Randall out. Randall out and Rondo signs a deal with the Lakers. Okay. <laughs> I know, you are, I know you're a big NBA fan, so I wanted to throw that in there. <laughs> Thank you. My oh. goodness. <laughs> Rajon Rondo would wow, be great that, on a reality show. Okay. Do you realize this team has signed Rondo, Stevenson, and JaVale McGee in the last 24 hours? That's like, wild. What a coo- this is going to be a circus in LA. Anyway, okay. Absolutely. Talk and you want to know what? You can read all about it on TheRinger.com. Anyway. On TheRinger.com. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to go back to Lincoln for a second and the reporting you did on him. So how, how did that all come yeah. together? And what was the first tip you received? You laid it out on your website, but I, I would guess there's some yeah. stuff that didn't make it online. No, I, I, that one, I kind of put it all out there. I was just, the only thing I didn't put out was who tipped me off. But basically, I got an email from somebody and said, I was flying back from Vegas. So I was at the airport. I'm checking my email. And they basically just said, hey, Lincoln Adam was, 
in court today in Boston, rumor has it it was a sexual assault charge. You might want to look into it. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. What? I mean, thanks for the tip, but where do I go about looking about stuff like this? I'm not very familiar with where I can find information on stuff like this. And then I'm just going back and forth with them. And they're like, look, I'm not making this up. I don't want to say how I know, but trust me, this is true. He was in court today in Boston um, and pleading out to this assault charge. I don't know the exact charge, so that's what I wanted to give you a heads up to look into it. And I was, like I said, I was at an airport. I was about to board a plane. Ashley Spivey is a very good friend of mine. And um, I said, hey, I'm about to board. Can you look into this while I'm on the plane? And she did. And she did some great grunt work and found everything she needed to find and confirmed he was there that day. He did bleed out. And it was from a, a boat cruise two years ago, and allegedly groped a woman. And um, he was convicted on May 21st. And the day that I was flying out, I think was June 10th. So two and a half weeks had gone by. Nobody had heard it or reported it. And I just, you know, again, got lucky. Somebody decided to hit me up and let me know about that. So we looked into it and, um, yeah, put it all out there. And, you know, it just brings into question, what are they looking at when they do background checks? Yeah. Uh, notably also that the plea deal or, you know, him pleading guilty came before the show premiered, which I, I kind of find interesting timing. Not like there's anything nefarious at play, but I think that does change how it gets covered. Like perhaps if he had been uh, already on the show and like there was like a, like millions of people familiar with him, it could have it might have been more public to begin with. And I, I think you make a good point about how background checks work and all that. Um, I think it's also like really important to note that there are so many different like bodies involved with making this short this show now, not just like physical people, but there's ABC the network, yeah. then there's Warner Brothers that runs production, and then there's Mike Fleiss who has his team that he brings back and or doesn't, whatever. And then usually there's a, uh, the casting is done through like a third party. It's not any of the ones I just mentioned. And so I think that's kind of where some of the problems lie is that it's not done by the network, it's not even done by the production company. And so I think that's like part of the issue is that it's not done in-house. And so there's more room for corners being cut and just sort of like taking a shortcut and whatnot. And obviously it's a problem. I mean, they they would have to address how they do this kind of thing. Yeah, they said that once the story broke and it became public, they said that in their statement that like, essentially, look, we hire out a third party to do our background check. This never came up when they did it. So now the question becomes, well, should it have come up? And how thorough when you farm out this to a third party, how thorough of the background checks are they doing? Are they just checking, you know, after the Lee incident last season, are they inter- interested more in making sure that there are no social media posts that right. are offensive and stuff like that? Or um, because Lincoln is currently, you know, he was at the time he was setting cast on the show. He was an L.A. resident. This happened in Massachusetts two years ago. I don't know how the legal system works. Again, I've spoken to a lot of people since then, since I mentioned it. And some people have said to me, look, Steve, it is a little bit more difficult if you just do a basic search of Lincoln that a charge from two years ago would not have come up. But some have also told me that, yes, it would have come up. You have to do a certain kind of background check. And that's where we're getting into stuff that I don't know anything about. So I just think the bottom line is going forward, this show has a, has a lot on their hands, especially after what happened this season, because I think there are going to be so many people, just like this person who set me off and tipped me off to the Lincoln stuff. Every time the contestants are out there now, I think the public is going to be interested. They want to be the ones to break it. Like, what is in this person's background that I can find and bring to either A, Reality Steve, or B, a media outlet? Because that's what it's going to turn into. 
the public is going to police this show. So they're really going to have to hunker down and do a better job of vetting out their contestants. Because yeah, it's going to have to change. The public's going to find them. Yeah, there's like, first of all, to do what's right and like ethical. And then second of all, there's so much more scrutiny and there's like an internet cottage industry around the show that it like nothing goes by unnoted at this point. What if Lincoln would have, I mean, I mean, Lincoln was eliminated tonight. What if he yeah. would have lasted longer? Like, I know. What if this guy would have made it to the final four? And it's like you're jeopardizing, you're putting, like if you're Becca, are you a little mad at the show? Like, hey, you have this guy on my show and he assaulted a woman two years ago? I don't want to speculate because I don't want to speak on her behalf, but I think if he had made it further, it would have been a bigger issue for her. But this takes us back to this week's episode. She still kind of has a lot of guys there. There's still like a lot of filler. And maybe that's just because, you know, I think Nick said this last week when he came on, like the lead knows, like it's only like two, maybe three people that they're really interested in. And so everyone else just kind of becomes filler. And so even though Chris seems crazy and um, Jordan is like, just a, a, a walking soundbite and Lincoln is immature, it kind of doesn't matter because the lead just doesn't really care to begin with. So yeah. I think that, I think that's kind of the issue, but I, I will say like Chris, he looks to me like a Adam Goldberg is to Joey Tribbiani <laughs> on friends as Chris is to Ben Stiller. Like he's kind of like the joke version of him. And I felt like as he went along on this season, he became increasingly more like a joke. Like it was just all so <laughs> bizarre how much yeah. he was losing it. And, uh, I don't know. I also, I think he dressed really poorly and I don't know. I, I'm not going to miss Chris. I, I'm kind of bummed. He's going to be on paradise. Cause he's just like a joke. He's to me actually more of a joke than Jordan. Now all season. I've said he looks like Danny Woods from NKOTV. Um, but mm. you could have also said for Chris that that last conversation where he went to Becca's room after everybody, after the whole day was over, essentially, that was basically a setup. Like producers knew Becca wanted him out before the rose ceremony. And that was them going to Chris. The little production trick would be like, Hey man, I think tonight's night. You, you need to tell her, you need to straighten things out with her and tell her how you feel, because this is probably going to be your last soap. Because you want to go over there tonight? And yeah, no, I'll do it. They probably fired him up thinking that if he did that, that was going to save him when they all knew and Becca knew she was sending him home the second he walked into her room that night. But that's what makes it, you know, quote unquote dramatic for right. them. If they got their early exit, as opposed to him. I mean, she could have eliminated him in Vegas last week. We all yeah. know that the only reason she kept him around was that was the guy that was going to get the last rose of the night. Like, was it going to be Chris right. or whatnot? And then he, he was basically a stay of execution. One for them, one for her. And I guess most of these have yeah. not been for Becca. Um, we're going to talk about, let's get into the one-on-one dates and some of the other dudes. But first, let's talk about this week's sponsors. Today's bachelor party is sponsored by Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, you'll love Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, helping you find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at hotels you'll actually want to stay at. No more scrolling through endless lists of choices. Even though their name's Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance. It's perfect for planners and procrastinators alike. Hotel Tonight is also perfect for a spontaneous weekend getaway, a staycation, a three-day weekend, a road trip, business bookings, and so much more. 
It's so easy to use. You can book hotels in 10 seconds in just three taps and a swipe. There's even the HT Perks program where the more you book, the better the deals get. I love hotels tonight. I've used it in New Orleans. I've used it even here in Los Angeles. I use it for a staycation. I've used it for a last minute trip. There's so many ways. I used it in Cape May two years ago, one summer night. I just can't recommend it enough if you're looking for a quick vacation. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you'll need. All right, let's talk about Leo. Leo got the best date, like maybe in Bachelorette history. I thought this seemed dope. Leo and Becca went um, like farming for oysters. I think it's farming, not fishing. They wore like those, the big, shucking. like, yeah, or sh- they, but they didn't just shuck them. They farmed them. They got them out of the water. Oh, okay. Yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought that seemed really fun. That would have been a good group date, actually. I think Leo got really lucky. No, if I remember correctly, last season on Rachel's season, Jack Stone got an oyster shucking date. Did and he? she eliminated him on the date. It was centered around an oyster shucking thing in, um, where were they? Louisiana? Yeah. Oh. They, did they go to Louisiana? I can't remember. But Jack Stone got a one-on-one where him and Rachel were involved in something to do with oyster shucking. And she eliminated him on the date. With Leo tonight, I saw, you know, I'm watching that and I'm like, okay. However, I think the plane flight before that, where they toured Virginia mm-hmm. and these two held hands and never looked into each other's eyes once and never spoke a word to each other, at least from what we were shown, <laughs> uh, was more telling to me than them shucking oysters, eating oysters, and then making out, yeah. which I thought was kind of bizarre. Um <laughs> I was thinking as I was watching this at this date, I was like, this is legitimately a waste of time. Like these two people have no chemistry, obviously not yeah. interested. It was so, it was the most forced date that I think I can remember, which is funny because I also think that the oyster thing was like, seems like a great time. I'd, lo- I'd love to do that. It just seemed really <laughs> fun. <laughs> Although cold for whatever weather that was. I guess in Richmond, yeah. they must've gotten snow in April, late April. Cause that's when they were there. I think it's week six. They start filming mid March. So yeah, must've been late April. Yeah. Well, one thing that I did find out, it was actually during Jason's date. Her and Jason were actually supposed to go whitewater rafting, but it was oh. too cold. And it got it got postponed or it got changed to, hey, let's just walk around Virginia and go to Edgar Allan Poe's mother's cemetery, you know. But yeah, they were supposed to go whitewater rafting and it got canceled. Too cold. Oh, interesting. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody would unless, I mean. That makes a lot of sense. Jason's date, when you look at it, they did, again, they just walked around. Yeah. They did nothing. Which is if you actually like the person a better date. Because my water rafting, like you get a good experience, but you can't actually talk to each other. You can't get to know each other. And they have so little time that you need to make the most of it. She does seem to like Jason. I can never remember his name. He's just like a, oh, a, Jason. a guy to me. Oh, that makes sense. That's why they flew in the Friends. I was wondering. They had to have been known to have flown in before that. I mean, because Friends live in Buffalo. I wonder if the Friends were supposed to go whitewater rafting. They were going to fill out the boat or something. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible because you don't really. I mean, I've never been whitewater rafting, but you don't do it as twosome, do you? I've always seen it in like groups. So maybe they were supposed to be part of that. All I know is that they were definitely supposed to go whitewater rafting, and it got canceled because it was apparently very cold that day. Yeah, it, you, it, it was snowing. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, what? yeah, there was snow at the end of the date. And I was thinking to myself, how beautiful. I wish they had more natural snow, like just coming from the sky on The Bachelor. It looks so nice. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> they don't I usually go to okay. snowy places. They want to go where you can put on a bikini. Yeah, that's next week. That's <clears> next <throat> week when they when they travel. Yeah. Back to Leo's date. I, I couldn't get over how, yeah. how bad it was. And I know that I'm kind of like a caricature. And like, it's difficult to 
look at me and think like this guy, you know, wants to settle down and stuff. But I just want you to know like it's it's a great time in my life to to be serious in a relationship. So I don't have to worry about that. It's so funny. It's like he. It made it made me wonder if he's like sexual at all because they had no chemistry when they were dancing together <laughs> in front of in front of the big crowd. I mean, who can blame someone for being uncomfortable making out and dancing in front of a group of strangers with a bad musician playing for them? But it just made me question yeah. everything I thought I knew about Leo because it was just one of the worst dates I've ever seen. And I'm on Team Leo. I really want to like that guy. <laughs> it's funny you say, "Is this guy even sexual?" And the thing that was uncovered about Leo. That's porn not star. On the level of, a, of Lincoln is the soft porn career. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, again, honestly, if, if Becca knew, I mean, look, do what you want in your acting career. I mean, he, he does have an IMDb page that has a lot of stuff. He was in an episode of Smilf, that show on sure. uh, Showtime. But he did have a soft porn uh, credit to his name. Um, I was notified of it. I took a glimpse of it, and it was... <laughs> <laughs> exactly what you would expect to see on at 2 a.m. on cinema. How like, was his performance? Was very, very soft porny and just lame. <laughs> you know, he's like the detective and all of a sudden he's playing pool with a girl and there's a bet made of, well, if I beat you, you're going to have to do this. And what do you know? Leo loses the bet. And then he has to have <laughs> What do you know? Him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was about his, I mean, there's a reason people make fun of soft porn. It's horrible. There's nothing exciting. There's nothing revealing about soft porn. It's so bad. Sure. And acting is horrible. Yeah. So he deserves to be made fun of uh, for that. I thought the most telling sign that she was not into him, even more than not looking at each other or talking on the plane, was that she wasted the beginning of their date talking about how stressed she was. And yeah. if you were really excited, and she and we know this because we've seen it happen, she uses the guys she truly likes as like a refuge from being on the show. Like she gets really close to them. She gets really cuddly. She really like gets into it with them. And the ones that she doesn't like, she talks to them about like the experience of being on the show and like what's going on in the house. And it's just a huge yeah. waste of time with Leo to, to like vent about Chris, basically, Chris and Lincoln. Her, her one-on-one with Will when they were in Park City was talking about what happened on the group date the day before. And like, oh, I'm kind of out of it. It's the same exact thing she did to Leah. was like, she sat down with Leo to say, yeah, the group date was rough yesterday, man. I'm sorry, I'm not all there. It's like, the second she says that to you, you know you're done. And even though she gave him a rose, like, come on. We've seen zero connection between these two. Yeah, they're, they're, it just seems impossible that anything else can happen between them. I mean, you know. It, yeah. It's it's a wrap. Leo Leo does definitely does deserve to go to paradise, though. <laughs> if if I've ever seen anyone, what have you heard about Jason? He just seems like a really straight laced, like good dude. I haven't heard much, although he was at Gronk's party in Miami last weekend. Was it so this weekend, wherever I go, did you see all the stuff that came out about Gronk had a party in Miami and he was yeah he took off his shirt and was dancing on. Jason was there. He was? I don't know if he has a connection to Gronk or what, but he was at that party. I don't know how. I don't know why. But that's all I know about him, that he went to Gronk's party in Miami. And then, oh, and then this past weekend, I saw that Jason, Colton, and Blake were all at the... um, Jason, Colton, and Blake were all at the Kenny Chesney concert uh, in Denver this past weekend. Oh, interesting. And they took a picture together. Yeah, the three of them were hanging out. Jason, Colton, and who? Uh, Blake. Blake. Huh. All guys. All guys still remaining. Uh, three of the six guys that are still left. Oh, interesting. Were all in Denver this weekend at the, at the Kenny Chesney concert. Maybe visiting Blake because he lives there. 
Blake lives there, and I think Colton uh, commutes there. He li- I think Colton lives in L.A., but his base is Colorado. Family lives in Colorado. Oh, so interesting. Jason lives in Seattle, but his family is in Buffalo. So Jason was the one obviously visiting. Oh, that. right. Yeah. I forgot that he actually lives in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. It always eludes me. He comes across as very East Coast. Yeah. What do you know about Colton and Tia? This is probably going to be Patchelor in Paradise spoilers, so if anyone doesn't want to hear it, tune out now. Are Colton and Tia still together? No. Okay. Did they go <laughs> to Paradise for each other? I'm assuming they did. Uh, Tia is original cast. Colton is like one of the first guys brought on. He might be one of those guys that's literally the first one after they're coming up on that first ceremony, but he's one of the first ones brought on. Uh, Tia is original cast. And one of the few pictures that I had from down in Mexico was Colton and Tia on a date. Um, but they are not together. Interesting. So I think they tried it out and it uh-huh. didn't work out. Obviously, they went on a date down there and I guess it just um, didn't work. I don't know who ended it with who just yet, um, but I've been told that they're not together. Are there any residual hard feelings between Becca and Tia? You know, this has been the biggest thing since this whole story came to light and it was brought up while filming was happening. And I told everybody that Colton and Tia had a, had a previous relationship before Colton went on the show. That's always been my question, but I've never really gotten an answer to it. Obviously Becca is somewhat fine with it because after Tia told her about this, she kept Colton on the show and then he ends up getting a one-on-one date. He's gotten two group dates since then. So um, Becca seems fine with it, but as a female, I guess my issue, if I'm Becca, my issue is more with Colton than it is Tia, because when Tia and Colton had their thing, Becca was not, the. it's not like she had been named the Bachelorette. She was probably in talks or whatever, but it's not Tia's fault that she went on a date with Colton and Colton showed interest and they liked each other. But the second Becca is named the Bachelorette and Colton goes on the show, he had to at least been in talks when he was talking with Tia. Like there's a lot of, stuff that we just don't know and i don't know if we ever will if either of these two will ever be open and honest about exactly the timing and the timeline of how everything went down but if i'm becca the second i found out on that massage date that this guy dated my friend and then a month later he's on my season i that's a huge red flag to me but that's yeah, me. of course i mean becca obviously <laughs> didn't seem to care she's but, clearly very um, attracted to him i think that she, i mean i was surprised he yeah. got the group date rose this week and i think she just I think at a certain point in the show, you probably like lose your mind. You're like going crazy. You just got to go with what you feel. And if you're attracted to yeah. a certain dude, got to give that man a rose. Just go for it. Yeah. I, she's made no bones about the fact that she thinks Colton's hot. And if Colton wasn't hot, I guarantee he would have been gone on that massage date. Like if she didn't have that physical attraction to him and he tells her that on that date, I think he's gone. Yeah. But she was kind of like making excuses. Well, but he's hot. You know, I mean, that's really all we heard at that point. Um, I think that would have not sat well with me if I'm, again, not anything that Tia did, but him. Like, wait a second. You were dating my friend in January. You had to have been in talks about coming on the show sometime in January slash February. It's such a very quick turnaround time for you to all of a sudden not be seeing Tia anymore and come on my season. And not only come on my season, but claim that, oh, I'm here for you. And it's, it's bullshit. It is. It's, you know, this guy had a public relationship with Allie yeah. Raceman where he asked her out. And he's it thirsty. Got, it's, oh, it's what we on the internet yeah, call thirst. It's obvious why he's on the show. Yeah. The thirst and is real. His intro video was all about his legacy foundation. He's talking about it. I mean, great for him. He's got a foundation that helps kids with cystic fibrosis. Sure. Outstanding. 
but it doesn't mean you're not kind of sleazy behind the scenes. There's some questions about how effective uh, his charity really is anyway. it's We can, we can leave that. I, I've discussed it before. Yeah. I think another a big theme coming out of this episode that just really crystallized for me watching it is that we know all about the guys who are there for the right reasons and the guys who are there for the wrong reasons. I think there's a whole subsect of like, guys who are technically there for the wrong reasons and they don't know it because it, it really it's not just about right and wrong it's about who's there to win and who's there because they're obsessed with who's obsessed with Becca and who's obsessed with winning and I think like Garrett and Chris they seem like obsessed with winning like getting their time and being number one whereas guys like Blake and I think Wills to a certain extent are more interested in like actually who they think Becca is. I'm not sure they actually know since they barely get to spend any time with her. But I think that's kind of like an interesting evolution and like mutation of the right reasons and wrong reasons thing. It's just like you all have bad reasons because you don't go on television to find love. Like it's very, it's very rare that's going to work out. Like very rare. But there's like just two different approaches to it. Like one is like really like searching for a connection that maybe you force and it's not really there. And the other is just about like winning. Like when, when Garrett got mad because um, the fight with Chris and Lincoln was like making her upset and he had planned like, this isn't going to be my night to say that I love her. That was more telling about who he is to me than any other moment on the show so far. Did you pick up on that? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I, I, now that you bring it up, I did, but at the time it didn't cross my mind that way. But don't say that people don't want the show to find love because we have a show called The Proposal, which is all about love and finding somebody, your future mate in an hour. Don't forget about that. You've watched The Proposal, haven't you? I actually have not watched it yet. How is it? Oh, God. It's who wants to marry a millionaire without the millionaire part. It's, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> yeah, which is basically, let's line up a bunch of people. They don't get to see this person. And by the end of an hour of television, you're proposing to somebody who you literally just met. As we think it's kind of ridiculous on The Bachelor to to have a proposal at the end of this thing after two months. They're doing it in one day of filming uh, on the proposal. It feels like with culture, we're going backwards. Ridiculous. And like on a lot of these shows, oh, it would stretch out the process. And there, nine, you know, 90 Day Fiance is 90 days of like two people together. Yeah. And you think it would go in the opposite direction. <laughs> but with a show no, like Proposal, you're like, oh my God, we're through the looking glass with this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's, I think it's just the culture of everybody's going to have everything now and we don't want to drag things out we have to everything has to be done this instant we need our news now we need our proposals now we don't want to wait we don't want to invest time and that's what the proposal is it's the shorter 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 version of the bachelor like let's take two months and condense it into one hour and get a proposal it's it's utterly ridiculous. That's one of the reasons why I haven't watched it. I'm just like, I'm good with The Bachelor. Yeah, you're, you're not missing much. Yeah, you're not missing I'm much. good with The Bachelorette. It's, it's all fine. It's good. Do you like Bachelorette more than Bachelor? I used to. Not anymore. This season is is, is interesting. Like, I think pe- people find Becca really boring. I don't know how you make The Bachelorette good anymore. I've been talking a lot about this, and I don't like to be negative about these shows. I like to celebrate them. But I think it's just really hard to make these shows um, different and like feeling fresh without better casting. Yeah. And and I don't even mean like to avoid people like Garrett or people like Lincoln. Like, and also Garrett is debatable if you want to avoid him. It's really a difference of opinion and judgment. You know, like he is to put them in the same category is like a real false equivalency. I don't know how you do it while getting pe- like a group of 25 guys who like really want to be on the show. It's hard to do that. It's really because everyone's just so familiar with it. So I don't, I don't know what the, the fix is, but it bums me out. I don't want to be negative about the show. And like, it's still really fun. And I enjoyed watching Leo and Becca clearly have no connection. And then just like still making <laughs> out anyway, I was like, this is a waste of time, but I'm kind of sickly enjoying it. It's sort of like 
there's less pressure with something like that than every interaction with Lincoln. Like the problem with Lincoln is it just makes watching the show so fraught and unfun because, which is like a, a real um, reductive way of looking at it. It's bigger problems than that. But just as a viewer, I'm like, I don't come to The Bachelorette for like a moral quandary. So please don't give me one. Like this is supposed to be like fun and silly yeah. and I'm going to break it down like sports. But they make it really hard when when there's all these issues outside of the show. And so I don't know how you keep doing it without something like, what happened at the end of Ari season, which was so compelling because it was so real. I guess the issue is like finding yeah. the, the purity of emotion and authenticity there. I think Chris Harrison has always said when he's been interviewed and talked about Bachelor versus Bachelorette, he just said the Bachelorette is a tougher show to do because guys naturally don't carry grudges and don't care. They, you know, they'll get in an argument, they get in a fight, and then they're over it in a couple hours where girls will carry it on forever. And you can have that debate or that animosity between two girls carry on throughout the course of the season. He said, it's just, it's always been much easier to produce the bachelor than the bachelorette because guys generally don't care as much. And they're like, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't like you, but I'll just, I'll just not talk to you as where girls will throw side eyes. They'll get in, you know, they'll get in an ITM and start sharing all their hateful things towards this other girl where guys are just like, eh, whatever, I'm over it. And um, that's what he has always said, that it's just bachelorette is, it's tougher to produce because guys don't care as much about the drama and they have to include drama every season. And, right. And so know, it feels more forced or it feels, yeah, yeah. it also just feels like more frivolous in some ways. It's like the emotional, like the women fighting gets really more emotional and more personal so much more quickly. And with these men, yeah. even if it does, you know, they're like personally attacking each other, it doesn't have the same kind of like emotional, like deep cuts. <laughs> which is definitely a double standard in sexist, but it's just, just a fact of making these shows. Without a doubt. I mean, I don't think there's anything that says, like, when you look at this and you look at what happened with Lincoln and everything going along with that, I, I just think that naturally the guys will kind of just get over it. And, um, but the thing is, when you talk about the Bachelorette, like, here's the, here's the real difference between the two. You have that with The Bachelor, but one Bachelor in 22 Bachelor seasons has ended up marrying uh, the final girl that he chose. Right. The Bachelorette has had such a bigger success rate. So if you're watching it for fun and games, probably want to watch The Bachelor. If you're watching it because you think that a couple can last, you're probably going to want to tune into The Bachelorette because half of their 14 uh, seasons, uh, the couple is still together. That Either is really impressive. I think it's because women, yeah. women know. I think women understand their emotions in a way that men don't, which is, again, sexist, but I think true. They take the show more seriously. The guys yeah. that take the lead realize that okay, I'll get engaged on this thing or whatever, but the second I get off it or if we break up, 8 million people watch this show a week. I've got so many women that like me now and know about me now. I've got my pick of the litter to go anywhere else I want. It's true. If it doesn't work out with my choice. Whereas the girls, like I said, I, I always think they take it seriously. And here we are, 14 seasons in, there are six couples, three married and three still engaged. And then, you know, Becca has, admitted at the beginning of the season, this isn't spoiler or news. Like she said, she's engaged. Right. So counting her, we're at seven of 14 of the bachelorettes are either still with their person or married. So that's a hell of a lot better record. That's 50% compared to one out of 22. <laughs> the bachelor. So, it's so true. Uh, yeah. Is Sean Lowe the only married one? Sean Lowe is the only one who married the final girl that he chose. You right. can debate whether or not you consider Jason and Molly success story, but oh, yeah. he didn't pick Molly. He picked, he picked, uh, he, I mean, there's definitely a success story in that they were both on the same season. They were both on the same show. She was his final two girl, but he didn't propose to her until 10 months after, um, 
he asked her out. He had time to like regain his center and like remember who he is off the show. (laughs) That's why when I say it, I always specify Sean Lowe is the only bachelor to marry the final girl that he chose out of 22. Yeah, he's the only one. Unless we're coming up on number two, possibly with with Ari and Lauren. They're made for each other. They've already given us a date. They will (laughs) last. They will last. I'm positive. I I have no doubt. I'm serious. (laughs) They are perfect for each other. They're so boring and vanilla and they should just live in Arizona and have a great life. It'll, It'll go great. Interesting. Okay. Um, Steve, thank you so much for calling in today. It's been great to talk to you as always. Enjoy the rest of the season and paradise. Yeah, definitely will. Thanks a lot, Julia. Thanks again to Hotel Tonight and also thanks to Ben and Jerry's. Support for today's show comes from Ben and Jerry's. It's known for creating euphoric ice cream with quirky and unique flavor combinations and delicious chunks and swirls throughout. And now, with Mooforia flavors, digging into a bowl of your favorite treat is even sweeter. Because at 140 to 160 calories per serving, Mooforia is the lightest way to enjoy all the euphoria of Ben & Jerry's. It's available in three amazing flavors, including chocolate milk and cookies, caramel cookie fix, and PB dough. Try them all. Go to store.benjerry.com to have Mooforia light ice cream delivered to you. I'm Juliette Littman, and I'll be back on Thursday. Have a great 4th of July.